You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit Outdoor New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This is the Average Conservationist podcast brought to you by Outdoor Class and in partner with 2% for Conservation. Outdoor Class is the new single source of premium outdoor education from trusted, knowledgeable experts. For hunters committed to improving their skills, Outdoor Class is the only subscription-based e-learning platform that provides unlimited access to video lessons from the world's most respected experts covering topics across a hunter's entire journey. Learn from industry leaders like Corey Jacobson, Randy Newberg, Remy Warren, and other prominent personalities and organizations. Sign up today and use code AVERAGE to save 20%. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. is going on everyone happy wednesday welcome back to the average conservationist podcast and i'm your host marcus shewing so <clears throat> today we're going to do things a little bit differently instead of having a guest on this week um i'm going to do a bit of a reset for everyone and what i mean by that is <clears throat> we've been having a a ton of great guests great organizations uh all, all the above right for you know pretty consistently for the past two years. There's been a few weeks that we've missed, but for the most part, we've been spending a lot of time, um, you know, 
highlighting and focusing these businesses and individuals who have made the commitment to 2%, which is uh, a wonderful thing in and of itself. But <clears throat> when I say I want to take a reset, what I want to do is actually kind of focus solely on conservation for a bit today. Um, it's not going to be a real long episode, um, not what you're used to in the you know hour range or time frame there. But I want to talk about um, a few um, different bills um, that are out there right now, ones that most of you are, are likely familiar with, um, or if you're not, um, I'm just going to touch on things at kind of a, a very high level, um, just to make you guys aware of them, I suppose. Um, and kudos to you if um, I'm kind of beating a dead horse, if this is something that you're already um, very familiar with, if you've already reached out to, oh, excuse me, I apologize also. My entire house is sick right now, and it's just recently hit me, so bear with me here. Um, if you're already in the know, if you've already voiced your um, opinion, I guess, um, whether you support or um, you're against uh, some of these bills that are, are out there and that are being proposed, some of these acts, kudos to you. You guys are um, are fighting the good fight. You're helping to make sure that these 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 acts these bills um either you know die on the hill um where maybe some of them should or they are being passed um you know by by both sides of the aisle um because they both see the importance of conservation of wildlife and making sure that um you know these things are supported uh, as we continue to move forward um, and not only that, we're going to talk about that, but then I'm also going to talk about what we have coming up starting in October. Um, and I'm actually going to start, uh, with that. So I did it last year. Um, and we're, I am, am doing it again this year. So October is going to be, um, conservation organization month. Um, so each week we're going to highlight, um, a different conservation organization, talk with, um, a member of their staff and really try and take a deep dive into the the organization as a whole, the mission, um, what they have in the works, um, what they are, are spending a lot of those um, their time and, and energy on. Um, we're going to get some, uh, oh gosh, excuse me, I'm having such a hard time talking without my throat getting dry here. Um, organizations like National Deer Association, Mule Deer Foundation. Um, we're going to talk with one that is not species specific, but we're going to talk with the Gallatin Valley Land Trust. And anyone who's um, you know tuned in even semi regularly to, uh, to to previous episodes has heard me talk to various guests uh, specifically that are in kind of the the greater uh, Bozeman area, uh, which is where Two Percent is based out of. Um, you've heard a lot of those those businesses. Um, they're giving their time and dollars back to the Gallatin Valley Land Trust. Um, so to me, it, it was it seemed like um, an easy decision to to reach out to them and to get someone on there, on here from there. Um, just because if it's if there's so many of these great organizations, uh, these businesses that are supporting uh, an org like this. Um, you know, I, I want to learn more. I want to have a better understanding of 
really what their mission is again and to find out how they're going about that and, and all that good stuff. So that's one that I, I'm certainly looking forward to. Um, and then we're also, I'm going to kind of tease this a little bit here, but we're going to have um, kind of a, a tribute of sorts. Uh, we're going to do this actually instead of the month of uh, just October, we're going to extend this thing out a little bit into November. Uh, we have Veterans Day coming in November uh, the 11th. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to do um, kind of a two-part piece um, and we're going to talk to different members um, from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers um, Armed Forces Initiative. Um, and I've had a chance to, to talk offline um, with at least one of the, the gentlemen that I'm going to be having on. And I personally, while I have not served in the military, uh, I, I have family that has served. And I, I see the, the importance of, of using, um, you know, the the wildlife to, to using the outdoors as, um, as a, as a tool, as a mechanism to help, um, you know, get these veterans, um, you know, just reacclimated, if you will. Um, you know, I, I think the, the work, um, I don't even know if work is, is the right word. The, the acts, the duties, um, that service members, both men and women are, are doing, uh, both here and abroad uh, is something that I don't know that any of us can ever really thank them the way they deserve to be thanked. And that's, um, you know, in any any branch, any position, um, it's all vital um, to any and every mission that's out there. Um, so this is one that, that I really wanted to take my time on, um, get a bit of a perspective from couple sides of the organization um, the armed forces initiative uh, as you may know is is still kind of in its infancy uh, as it pertains to backcountry hunters and anglers so they're really trying to, to have this grassroots um, growth and everything so we're hoping to you know really spotlight that and um, you know just celebrate veterans um, and release those um, again kind of in the previous week and the week leading up to or the week leading up to and the actual week that veterans day falls on so that's one that i'm really looking forward to um that i think that you guys uh will certainly enjoy as well but what uh as i originally mentioned what i want to talk about is a couple of these acts or bills proposed bills uh i suppose that are out there uh and again as i mentioned i'm just going to speak very broadly um about them and the first one is the Recovering America's Wildlife Act, uh, RAWA, I guess is, is uh, what you may want to call it. Um, but so what this is, so it's going to, it's a, it's a bill that proposes uh, $1.4 billion annually for state and tribal fish and wildlife agencies. And what this is going to do, this, this funding is going to help at-risk species um, and prevent them from ending up on the threatened or endangered list. Um, if you recall, maybe uh, maybe a month ago or so, I I had a guest on. Um, there was a they're from British Columbia, and it was basically this this research project that was put together, um, and it was to study the. Um, the the population of interior it, let me back up it was to study the mule deer population in the interior the southern interior of british columbia 
Um, they had noticed a drastic decline in population and numbers over the years, and they wanted to really understand what was going on, what the problems were, uh, and try to best analyze all of that that data. So now, one of the things that um, the one of the lead researchers and biologists mentioned uh, in our conversation was, you know, if if something like this research project or research projects like this, um, and not even for mule deer um, specifically, but just for different species of animals and wildlife out there, if those are not being done, then you could see something like the mule deer end up on on this threatened or endangered list. And I know for a lot of us here in the States, that may seem like, no, that, that's that's not possible, right? Like there's mule deer all over the place, especially as you get West. Um, I just had Cindy Stites on last week and she was telling me that the last time that turkeys were reintroduced into the population in the state of Indiana was 2004. That's, that's not that long ago, guys. So things like this do happen. And this Recovering America's Wildlife Act is going to help prevent things like that, species like that, that for a lot of us seem very commonplace uh, to keep them from, from ending up on these lists. Um, so right now, this this is this bill is currently in the Senate. So um, my suggestion is be sure to reach out to your elected officials and voice your support for this bill um, because I think it's a big one. And we've had some really big wins in terms of conservation over the last three to four years. Um, I think that as time goes on and as I've, I've talked about on, on a lot of previous uh, episodes, is that this this younger generation, and maybe I fall into it, I don't know, I'm probably somewhere um, between the younger generation and, you know, anyway, I think that that is a big weapon in our arsenal um, for, for conservation, for wildlife, is we're very vocal. Um, this newer generation of, of hunters and anglers and conservationists and, you know, Thankfully, there's been a lot of great organizations out there that have made it extremely easy um, to be able to reach out to your elected officials, as I mentioned, to voice your support or your concern um, for specific bills that are out there. So what I suggest is just yeah, do a little bit of research, find out more. Like I said, I'm talking about these at a, a very broad level, uh, but reach, you know, do your research and then figure out who your officials are. Uh, elected officials um, in this particular case in the Senate and, you know, reach out again, express that, that uh, your opinion um, and help support this thing and, and let's help get it, um, you know, across the finish line so that, you know, for years to come, we're going to have billions with a B of dollars to, uh, to help keep these animals um, and these species off the endangered uh, or threatened list. Another one, the North American Grasslands Conservation Act. Uh, so what this is, is it was actually introduced earlier this year. And what this bill would do is it would create um, a landowner-driven incentive-based program uh, to conserve and restore grassland and sagebrush uh, ecosystems. Now, these ecosystems are relied upon by both people and wildlife alike, really. And what they are is they're, they're critical to 
um, species like pronghorn, uh, mule deer, bison, uh, as well as a ton of various upland birds uh, as well, especially in the West there where sagebrushes is, is very prominent. And I've seen, uh, in, I don't even know that they're necessarily incentive-based programs, but um, you know, organizations like Pheasants Forever um, having doing kind of these incentive-based programs um, to help restore um, some land that uh, that upland birds um, in this particular case are living on and it's you know they can get uh, grant money and, and funding from state and federal agencies to to help restore these lands um, and you know make them so that they're almost like a sanctuary um, so that you know they're they're not being um, you know really used uh, to, to the degree of like public lands are a lot of times, like I said, these are, are landowner, um, driven and incentive based for the landowner. Uh, but really what that's doing is just, it's encouraging them to, to do the right thing with, with the land that they have, um, in their control to make sure that, um, you know, these species and this, these, these ecosystems, um, continue to thrive as the years go on because, we we're not making any more ecosystems our best bet at this point is to restore and repair what we do currently have before they get to a point where they just cannot be salvaged and that's something that while i don't know that all of us think about on a regular basis it's certainly something um that we should be mindful of because um you know with urban sprawl and things like that um, a lot of these places these wild places that you know some of us either grew up hunting or heck 10 15 years ago five years ago for that matter we were out hunting on or uh, whether you know big game or bird hunting or small game hunting whatever the case is you were spending time on this particular piece of land but now this land has been sold off and now it's being developed and you know, where you used to create memories and, you know, just get outdoors and walk around, you know, now there's, now there's a subdivision, now there's a strip mall, whatever the case is. And I, I certainly understand, um, urban sprawl development. I, I, I understand that, but what we need to do, um, is do our best to mitigate the damage, uh, that's being done to the wildlife that, is currently residing in that area because once they're pushed out of there they've got to go somewhere else and there may not always be um you know a place that's just a hop skip and a jump away for them uh, to to relocate that's going to have what they need uh, for those animals to really uh, thrive um, in a new ecosystem so that's definitely something that that we need to keep in mind and you know these grasslands and sagebrush uh, ecosystems are, are vital to a lot of uh, animals i think that a lot of us kind of hold near and dear to us. Um, so now the last one I want to talk about, this is one where, uh, you know, the previous two I've, I've talked about, you know, supporting these and, and reaching out to your elected officials to, um, you know, hopefully, uh, voice your support for them and, and everything like that. But this last one, um, is one that, you know, honestly, I can't believe that one, it was even introduced Two that, it hasn't just been 
completely destroyed at this point. And maybe it's just because I'm I'm looking at it from more of a well, I disagree with it uh, mindset. So I'm not really out there looking for people who are are trying to defend it. Um, I guess, and maybe that's like I said, maybe that's close-minded of me. Uh, but I've I know the good that comes from what's out there now. And so what I'm talking about is the Return Act. So this Return Act was introduced uh, earlier this year. Um, and as I, I mentioned, well, first, let me tell you what the Return Act is. So what the Return Act would do is essentially it would undo the Pittman-Robertson Act, which, as many of you know, is the direct excise tax that's coming from the sale of, sale of firearms, ammunition, archery equipment, and this month, September, actually marks the 85th anniversary um, of this act. And this is one of the primary sources of funding for conservation organizations, state um, fish and wildlife agencies. I mean, this is where a ton of money is coming from year in and year out in all these different states all across the country. And um, yeah, they want to uh, essentially replace this or not replace, excuse me, just get rid of it. Um, again, I've, I probably should have done a bit more research prior to just talking about it, but it's frustrating because it feels a bit ticky tacky to introduce a bill like this. Um, you know, as someone who is, um, you know, very supportive of, you know, the second amendment as someone who, you know, loves the outdoors. Um, and with more and more people, I think, taking an interest in, in things like this, um, you know, these are opportunities to, um, you know, raise money for conservation, you know, that, that funding. Um, and I don't, it's, it, you know, it's been around so long that, you know, um, myself and others as owners of firearms, it's not even something that I think about or consider when, you know, potentially or actually purchasing a new firearm, new ammunition, you know, if you buy a new bow or whatever the case is, right? Like I'm not thinking about the, the Pittman-Robertson Act in terms of what it's going to cost me. And to be quite honest, like I'm not even thinking about it when I, when I do uh, make the purchase of, uh, of one of these items or anything like that, that oh, well, you know, there goes my, you know, 11% to, to Pittman Robertson. It's because it's, it's almost been like so ingrained in us that what the, the Pittman Robertson Act is, what it does, where that money goes. And <clears throat> you're kind of doing your part without doing your part, I guess. Um, you've heard uh, Jared Frazier on here talk about before, um, you know, the, the participation trophy <laughs> essentially of, of buying uh, your tags and your licenses and things like that. And I think we can certainly do more. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the bare minimum of uh, conservation or, or giving back. I don't even know that it is giving back because you're, you're buying something and then, you know, that money is just being allocated to, uh, to places. But uh, I don't want to get too sidetracked here. But I think that this is a, a foolish endeavor um, for, for something like this to, 
<coughs> excuse me, one, still be around, and two, to actually be really considered, um, you know, in, in either the House um, or the Senate. <coughs> I don't know that, <coughs> excuse me, oh, terribly sorry. I don't know that people um, fully realize the amount of money and funding that comes from uh, the Pittman-Robertson Act each year um, for their for their states, and it's something that um, should not be uh, overlooked. It's something that should be taken very seriously. The fact that um, the bill hasn't just been pulled back yet, um, given all of the opposition that I have seen, and again the the circle that I tend to run in or the crowd that I tend to uh, stay up to date with and are, are very like-minded uh, in the sense of conservation. So I can see why um, I wouldn't be out there seeing a lot of the um, pro opinions for, for something like the Return Act. Um, but again, um, with that being said, definitely um, reach out to your elected officials again um, and express uh, your concern um for um, this bill, your your opposition for this bill. And again, I don't want to, um, I guess I should have laid the whole scene or, or, or prefaced all of this by saying, these are just my opinions, guys. Um, you know, everyone is, is certainly entitled to their opinion. And if you disagree with my opinion, hey, that's, I am totally fine with that. Everyone um, has their right to think how they want to think and that's that's quite all right with me but these are just my um my opinions um i think what is you know the, the these things are are either good or you know good for con uh, conservation or they are going to be bad for conservation um and as someone like me who you know is you know just an average guy i'm an average conservationist right and to do our part to, you know, reach out to officials, um, leave a voicemail, send an email, whatever the case is. I mean, these are easy things that we can do. Um, and, you know, groups like BHA have made it extremely easy um, to go onto their website. Um, and you can, you know, they have a lot of this information uh, kind of pre-populated for you, as well as like a, an email already written out, uh, where essentially, you know, all you have to do is kind of cut and paste or, you know, use the form and it's going to get right to, um, uh, your senators or what have you. So it's, uh, it's easy to, to do those things. And you'd be surprised what a lot of like-minded people can do in, in terms of something like a bill, because these voicemails, these emails, while it may seem from the outside that they are, going unnoticed or they're not being read or whatever the case is. Um, I, I don't think that's the case. What I really think is that when um, a governor or a senator or, or um, you know, a representative governor or <laughs> governor is not the right word, but, you know, your senators or your, your representatives, when they're receiving hundreds of emails um, a day or a week about a bill that they may be co-sponsored or a bill that, um, you know, maybe they weren't even a part of the initial, um, process of it, but they, their constituents are reaching out, voicing their, um, either, uh, concern about it or their, um, 
why can I not think of the opposite of concern there, uh, their support for it, right? And those things, uh, I think, carry a little bit more weight than a lot of us think. So definitely be sure to, you know, do some more research on these. Like I said, I, I'm talking about these at a very um, high 30,000 foot level and do your research um, and, you know, make your own opinions um, and then do what you think is right um, to support uh, these bills. I'll tell you what, guys, having done this podcast for over two years now, this is only the second time that um, I'm doing this on my own. And I swore to myself after the first one, I wasn't going to do it again. But I just felt like it was a good time to just, as I said, reset, right? Like we're, you know, if if you're in the West, you guys are knee deep in your hunting seasons. Um, A lot of states um, in the Midwest here have opened up and Michigan opens up um, in about three days from, from today. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm super excited about that, but it just gives you guys, um, hopefully a little bit to think about while you're, you know, driving out of state or you're driving to, uh, to the woods or whatever, heck while you're sitting in the woods, you know, just some things to think about whatever the case is. Um, you know, I just wanted to kind of set that scene for you, um, give you something to think about. Um, maybe it will, um, you know, spark something inside to want to get more involved or you're going to come across an issue that um, really hits home for you for one reason or another and it maybe uh, causes you to want to get involved more, um, which is is a beautiful thing. Um, any of us that are, are spending our, our time or dollars for conservation in one way, shape, or form, um, I, I absolutely commend you. So I don't know that I really have a lot else to say at this point other than stay tuned um you know starting next week as i mentioned we're going to kick off um org month as i'm calling it um and we're going to have just a, a ton of great guests a ton of great organizations that i'm really excited for you guys to hear about and i think you um will certainly learn something in the process and if you haven't um you know, consider joining one of these orgs maybe after the you know hearing the conversation it'll make you want to to get involved to join up, um, help support their cause, whatever it is. Um, and that's, that's really, uh, what we're trying to do is just raise awareness, um, for a lot of these conservation organizations. So that was my long way of saying this is episode 121, 120, one of those two. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Be sure, check out the average conservationist.com, grab some gear, support conservation, Thank you to the sponsors for this week, uh, the partners of the podcast. We've got Go Hunt, Stone Glacier, Outdoor Class, Wild Rivers Coffee, Hardside Hydration, and of course, 2% for Conservation. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And over there, you're going to see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where it's going to be only uh, positive conservation driven posts, I guess, that are are landing in your feed. So you'll certainly enjoy that. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. 
Thanks for sticking with me this week, guys. I know it probably wasn't what you expected, but uh, I hope you enjoyed it and, and were able to take a little something away from it. Um, yeah, stay safe out there. And remember, that conservation starts with you. Yeah.